This episode is rated R18 plus for high impact sex scenes. Listener discretion is advised. The River of Night's Dreaming, Part 3 The one thing I've learned in my short life is this. Never repress anything. Otto Gross Every moment, from the time the results were announced, to when the media stormed her home, to the present, where she was being felicitated by the Residents Association members and her neighborhood, was surreal. It was a twisted facsimile of reality that Mukti observed as an outsider. It was not happening to her. It was happening to someone else who looked and sounded like her. She was watching the events play out through an X-ray film. The sound was dull too, like she was listening through a wall of water. Introducing Mukti Saxena, national topper, star entrant to the finest B-school in India, ranked as one of the top 10 institutions in the discipline in the world. Her parents loved every second of it. Their voice went hoarse from a parade of interviews, phone conversations and face-to-face -face felicitations. But they soldiered on like underemployed actors, starving for the smallest morsel of media attention. Presently, Mukti, who was dressed in an elegant printed lehenga with a silk choli crop top, was engaged in a meet-and-greet session with people in her society. The hall was bedecked with flowers and flashing lights like a gaudy engagement party venue, and she was seated on a throne of velvet and fake gold. At least 200 people had turned up for the event, which was opened by an overly enthusiastic society president before her parents gave a lengthy boring speech about the sacrifices they had made for Mukti. Mukti refused to make any remarks, so the meet and greet kicked off with a vengeance. Congratulations, they said as they shook her hand with almost religious fervor. The kids looked upon her as if she was some martyred saint resurrected from the dead. Maybe she was, because in their eyes she saw their cursed fates. Soul-crushing years of studying from 4am to midnight at the expense of their mental health. Her parents were working the crowd like marriage brokers looking for the best catch, while she politely thanked her well-wishers to the point of exhaustion. At one stage, her mother interrupted her conversation with a girl who wanted to become a NASA scientist to introduce a handsome 30-year-old man in a smart three-piece suit. Mukti, do you remember Aydin uncle's son Mukul? He's now a cosmetic surgeon in LA, here for holidays, 
she said, almost drooling like a hungry dog. Hi, how are you? Uh, congrats on your achievement, Mukul said with a smile. Mukti flashed a quick namaste and a smile before turning her attention back to the girl who wanted to reach for the stars. Her mother's face darkened, but Mukti ignored her and the young surgeon. Uh, she is busy now, but we will visit you and your parents at home, Shanti said to Mr. Amrika, whose fragile ego had been clearly shattered to a thousand pieces. He looked like someone had slapped him across the face while he was being force-fed a slice of really sour lime. The school of restless beings in her belly pushed against her abdominal wall. They had been growing impatient and even more persistent with each passing day. Each day she suffered through this charade seemed to empower them, embolden them. Her resistance to their desire to escape was weakening, even as her own run-down body succumbed to stress-related symptoms. Mukti had read online that severe anxiety and exhaustion could cause these feelings, but she doubted that was the case here. The other day she lifted her shirt up to examine her belly and saw bulging shapes press against her skin, like fish piling up to the glass of an aquarium during a feeding frenzy. Hallucinations? Had she finally lost her mind? She had stopped taking the miracle pill, convinced that it was responsible for these strange visions. She still dreamed of the cathedral and the shrine, but they were less intense and not very satisfying. The rituals and the worshippers had disappeared. It was a place of silence now, cavernous chambers that had emptied once their purpose was served. It seemed like her body had taken over the role now. It was home to an unexplainable phenomena, a shell that carried within it the seeds of some great world-ending revolution. Presently, Rani, her former schoolmate who had always hated her guts and spread rumours about her and Sarthak, approached the dais. She wore a heavy metal t-shirt and jeans and a sly smile played on her face. Congrats, she said, examining the garish throne Mukti was seated on. Is that comfy? Thanks. It's not bad, Mukti said, flashing a quick, wry smile. Heard you got dealt a hard blow the other day when you decided to confront Sarthak and his gang, Rani said. Mukti gritted her teeth in anger as she stared at Rani, who refused to back down. I don't have time for a lengthy chat. I have other people waiting to see me, Mukti said, glancing at the queue of people snaking behind Rani. Rani peeked at the throng, then turned and scoffed in Mukti's face. Your fans. If you are done insulting me, I would appreciate it if you left me alone, Mukti said. Must feel good seeing all these people lining up to sing your praises, Rani said. She then moved closer to Mukti and said, But I know 
this doesn't feel good at all. You are struggling on that throne of yours. Looking like some stupid girl being whored out by her parents to prospective NRI grooms. Mukti had had enough. Maybe you are not feeling that good either. Because no one, including mummy dearest who is addicted to pain medications and daddy who is an alcoholic hasn't paid you any attention all through your life. How is joining that punk rock band working for you? Mukti said cruelly. I hear the other chick, the guitarist, Neha, is better looking than you. So I doubt anyone is stalking you on social media or asking you for your number. Neha's cornered the market, hasn't she? Maybe that is what this is about. You being jealous of what I have. What I have always had. Mukti said. Rani looked hurt, but she recovered in a few moments and said, So, both of us are not feeling good. My commiserations. But you know who will be feeling good tonight? Sarthak and Tara. She told me that he is going to be fucking her tonight at the banks of that river where he rejected you in front of all his friends. Rani said. Ciao, she added before swaggering away. Mukti reeled from Rani's spiteful words. It felt like a thunderous punch to her guts. Something broke inside of her. The resolve to repress and suffer in silence. Even as she fought the urge to double over and collapse into herself, a mass of writhing bodies shoved against her abdominal walls, craving release. Her vision swam and whoever arrived to greet her next was a blur of shapes. Mukti sprang to her feet like a puppet yanked up by its strings and tore at her clothes like they were on fire. People shouted in utter disbelief and stepped down from the dais. Drawn by the alarming sounds, Mukti's parents turned their attention to the stage to find her undressing. Their daughter's eyes were drawn up into the socket, exposing its whites. She let out a series of disturbing croaks as her body spasmed and juddered. Horrified by the shameful act being committed by their daughter and concerned that it was a medical episode, Mukti's parents waded through the throng towards her. Mukti! Mukti! They screamed in an attempt to snap her out of her psychotic state. Mukti had just torn off her top, freeing her breasts, 
when the flesh in her abdomen ripped open to create a bloody ovoid opening. A stream of gore-soaked eel-like creatures, covered in yellow curd-like substances, slid out of the orifice. The darksome beings had no eyes, just spiny teeth on jaws hinged wide open and several sharp flippers and fins that gleamed with violent intent. They slithered towards the shrieking crowd and attacked them with berserker rage. Their lightning pace surprised the crowd as they attempted to rush for the exits. People who had been gawking and laughing at Mukti's antics moments ago were taken down by the creatures. The ghoulish serpentine entities champed mindlessly at live flesh. Hot blood sprayed across the walls and gore matted every surface including the furniture and fabric as the ravenous fiends satiated their hunger with gusto. The ceiling fans flung chunks of flesh around the room and the smoke machine which was draped with human viscera created a pink haze. People slipped on pools of blood and fell to the floor only to be trampled to their deaths by a mass of panicked bodies. Mukti's mind was lost in a haze of swirling red patterns. But the heart-rending screams of the dying victims snapped her back to alertness. She regretted her return to reality immediately as her eyes feasted on the sights of men, women and children being savaged by the creatures that snaked into their clothing and burrowed into their insides like drill machines constructing tunnels across mountains. Mukti shrieked in terror at the hell that had been unleashed by her body. Some of the abominations vomited the pestilent contents in their guts onto the walls, coating it with gory matter that soon congealed into a living canvas of flesh, much like the corpulent walls of the buildings in her dreamscapes. The persistent ringing of bells drew Mukti's attention to the left, where the caretaker and the sisters of worship coalesced into existence wearing their usual outfits. (laughs) 
much to her disgust, they soon disrobed, revealing their skin-flayed forms. They resembled six-foot-tall, skinless seahorses, devoid of vision-enabling organs. They leered at the massacre around them with mouths full of needle-sharp teeth. Their bodies were slender armatures of corrupted sinewy matter that glistened with bodily fluids. Their lanky limbs explored their surroundings with the grace of a dancer crafting emotive mudras. The caretaker raised a bloody crooked finger to the heavens and said, Behold his birthing. Glory to the famished children of the worm who usher in his kingdom in his name. Praise be, praise be. Then he pointed to the exits from the hall, which were choke points stuffed with panicked human bodies seeking to escape the nightmare. The terrifying forms of the worshipful sisters screeched at this announcement. They scanned the room with their blind bulbous foreheads, echo-locating their prospective prey like sightless bats. The sisters dropped to the floor on all fours before bolting through the legs of the fleeing souls or leaping over their heads like acrobatic lizards to reach the doors and bar their way out. The hapless humans screeched in horror at the sight of the monstrosities. Some brave souls tried to wrestle the creatures to the ground, only to fall prey to their talons, and a deadly wave of hungry demon eels that surged forth to protect the unholy acolytes. One of the slithering abominations bored through the skull of an ex-army ranger who was defending his wife and child from a murderous sister's lashings. The brave man's body sagged to the floor, an apple-sized hole on the opposing sides of his head. Several mouths set in a permanent rictus grin had emerged from the walls like dead fish floating up to the surface of a polluted river. This is real. This is real, Mukti muttered as she stepped down from the stage and walked through the massacre. Here was a teenager being torn apart by a throng of squirming, slithering beings. There was a woman whose face was burrowed into so many times, she looked like a mannequin covered in bullet holes. A man looked on in silent horror as the sister scooped out his intestines from a gaping wound in his belly and fed it lovingly to the eels mewling at her feet like hungry pups. This is happening. This is happening, Mukti repeated. She saw her parents being dragged to the walls by the sisters, who promptly pressed their faces against its cursed surface, allowing the mouths to feast on them. They acted like kitchen mandolin slicers, 
segmenting and shredding human flesh into tiny, unrecognizable matter. Mukti! Mukti! Her parents screamed as their faces were rapidly munched away by rabid cavities filled with numberless stained teeth. Before Mukti could even raise her voice and plead for mercy, their skin and flesh and bones were sacrificed at the altar of champing mouths. Dazed and struggling to process the mindless horror around her, Mukti shambled towards the door. Very few people were fighting to get out now. Their resolve to escape had been chipped away by the terrifying sights that surrounded them. The floor littered with mutilated bodies, their rib cages split open, heads caved in, abdomens riddled with tunnels, and skinned lumps of flesh that had been fed on erratically. The products of an unregulated charnel house run by madmen. She saw the bloodied, wet, heavy metal t-shirt worn by Rani rolled up in a ball and stuffed into the mouth of a human form stripped to its bones. She couldn't tell if it was her former enemy's body. The eels lay on their sides, their bellies bloated with flesh and blood, their maws opening and closing gently, as if they were in some kind of blood-feast-induced stupor. No one stopped Mukti as she exited the hall. She turned and looked at the bodies of her parents one last time. It was a conjoined, bloodied rag of shredded skin and shattered bones. She wept as she walked out of the building, covered in blood and completely naked. Priestess, look at what glory you have unleashed onto this world. The caretaker shouted out to her as she trudged on. The damned infection, which had created a wall of mouths within the hole, spilled out and corrupted the rest of the building. Whatever had tainted her and emerged from her would remake this world into the dimension that once existed only in her dreamscapes. Utterly defeated, but in need of at least a pyrrhic victory, Mukti shuffled off to the river to find Sarthag. Tara was grinding away on top of Sarthak's cock, warmed by the glowing campfire and his body heat, when Mukti arrived. The two souls thought they were alone as they engaged in carnal acts they had pined for for ages. Their moans were barely audible over the roar of the river and the crackling of the wood. The lovers were immersed in each other's bodies, a silk thread of pleasure and passion uniting their souls. 
They moaned in unison as the night breeze caressed their aroused forms. So the lovers were totally shocked when Mukti dragged Thara up by her hair and flung her against a tree like she weighed nothing. Thara's neck slammed into the trunk and broke at the point of impact. The dead woman slid down onto a bed of dried leaves noiselessly. She lay there like a sleeping beauty offered up to a lecherous pagan god of the night. Sarthak was not even afforded a brief second to scream as Mukti climbed onto his erect member and continued where Thara had left off. He turned his attention from the still form of his dead lover to the crimson nubile body gifting him indescribable pleasure and filling him with terror at the same time. He tried to look at Tara again, but Bukti yanked his head back to face her. The firelight played in Bukti's eyes like a cinemagraph, and it added to the otherworldly aura radiated by her. Her bloodied form was a strange amalgamation of horror and sensuality. Sarthak was attracted to her and was repulsed by her at the same time. Contrasting sensations that threatened to fry his nerves. Sarthak got the impression that she was not looking into his eyes, but rather through him into some unknown dimension that was unfathomable to pitiful human minds. The colors, the hues, tints of flesh and bone and sinew, she recited. Sarthak felt like he had no choice but to submit to the power of her words and the rhythmic thrusts of her thighs as a powerful climax built up at the tip of his manhood. I love you. I have always loved you, she said in the throes of ecstasy. Then, in an otherworldly voice that resounded like thunder, she demanded, Tell me how you felt about me. Tell the universe what secret lay within the lines of your poem that was torn asunder and scattered to the winds. I, I love you. I have always loved you. Sarthak screamed over the torrent as an earth-shattering orgasm rocked his body. The most pleasurable experience in his life was immediately replaced by a carnival of pain as he felt powerful bites tear apart the flesh in the lower reaches of his body. He convulsed in agony as his genitals and his pubic region were torn to shreds by hidden moors that sprang forth from between Mukti's thighs. 
unbearable pain sheeted through him as he watched Mukti's body disintegrate into millions of little unsighted tadpoles that possessed piranha-like teeth. It swarmed off her and raced across his flesh. Pain strobed through bloody furrows they ploughed into his body. He screamed and screamed till his throat was finally silenced by the mass of writhing monstrosities that ate his vocal cords. Stripped of all her flesh, Mukti's skeletal remains fell onto Sarthak's flayed bones. Cadaverous lovers engaged in an act of deathly coitus, whose porcelain shapes were devoured by the night as soon as the campfire died out. The eyeless larval beings mobbed the waters of the river and decimated every living form downstream and on the banks with their deadly mouths. Mukti's mind travelled with them. She was free now. She raced with the amphibious monstrosities from flesh to flesh, causing maximum carnage in a quest to reach the place where the river emptied its rage. They were bound for the ocean from where they could reach every shore on this planet. The hive mind would direct the vicious horde to the great cities that humanity had built besides the churning waters of the world. As soon as they breached the bastions, she would scream through millions of tiny mouths, first to release her anger, then sorrow, then to express pure joy. Her victims would feel her wrath. They would weep with her in sympatico. And they would bow to her radiant joy. How she yearned to be the high priestess of the seas. How she longed to be the empress of lands yet unknown. Thanks for listening to Indian Noir. Click the follow button on your Spotify app or Spotify desktop software. You can also take a sneak peek at how the show is produced and my life and my interests via my social media channels. I am at Indian Noir on Instagram and Twitter. <laughs>